Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. My guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Scott Hannes. Scott Hannes is an HR consultant. He is an absolute master at hiring processes, firing processes, and more importantly, retention processes, and how to measure what the people in your businesses are doing right, doing wrong, and how to address when to make it a deal breaker, when to adjust, and how to be a better leader, a better boss, and a better business person. The amount of knowledge he has and experience he has, he's managed over a 1,000 people at one time, and he has now ventured off on his own and can really help a lot of different people, whether it's real estate or any walks of life, really help them keep more money in their pockets and have better people so they can get a better quality of life for themselves and start to have a good team underneath them. And that's a really important thing that I'm learning more and more is the importance of Good business and being able to really have a better quality of life is not necessarily even hiring the right person or finding the right person, which are equally as important, but retention and maintaining and having a proper expectation. And Scott is a million times more experienced than I am in this, and I really appreciate his time. You guys can reach him at Scott Hannis on Facebook, H-A-N-I-S. His company is FortitudeHRSolutions.com. You can email him, Scott at Fortitude, F-O-R-T-I-T-U-D-E, H-R-Solutions.com as well. And Scott will be your guy. I have Mr. Scott Hannes today. He is an HR ninja. He's with Fortitude HR Solutions. Uh, He and I are in a mastermind together. And he is just somebody that's, I'll I'll let you do a little bit of an intro, but um, for, for some of the people who aren't aware this podcast is for anybody who just brings their all to anything or wants to up their game in anything. And prior to the last year or two, I would have said that the real estate part of this is the most important part. Until now, I've been leveling up and being around guys like you and Mark Evans and Lee and Tim and all these other guys. And they're all focusing more on the data parts of these and the data principles and the information and measuring those statistics and measuring the performance indexes. And now more and more, I think somebody like you for getting the right people in places and maintaining the those relationships and those employees and finding good people and keeping good people and knowing when to get rid of good people and, and how to tell if they're good people or not is not about your feelings. It's about the data. Like There really is no emotion in that. And, and that's what I'm seeing is the biggest difference between somebody who was doing what I was doing. That's, I wouldn't say necessarily a solopreneur, but it's very hard to create a successful business unless you have good people in there and you have ways that every week you can measure that data. So I think what you're doing is extremely important, whether it's real estate, gyms, anything. When you're dealing with people, I think, I think these things are huge of, of, of just noticing things. So uh, I'll let you give a little bit of a background of yourself. I know you, you were at one point in charge with almost a thousand employees, correct? Correct. Yeah. So I've been in the HR industry for 15 years, uh, kind of worked my way up through family-owned businesses. Uh, my last two companies, I worked for a, a large um, automotive international company that was based out of India. We had 1,100 employees and I was responsible for Brazil, Mexico, and the United States, really building teams, leading high-performing teams, putting in best practices, trying to set the right structure. To your point, Nick, I think that's extremely important. 
you know, you get somebody on the team, but then it's, you know, it comes down to how do you coach, lead, manage? How do you show that you care about them? How do you develop them? And then hopefully that, you know, relays into retention. So you have good people that really drive and lead your business. Um, and then my last job right before I left, um, I worked for a private equity group where we went through and looked at, you know, a distressed asset, a distressed company, trying to put in best practices again in order to really add value to the organization. So I just left that after about two months. I've been on my own now with 42 HR Solutions. Uh, super excited, passionate about helping businesses really to put in an HR foundation that they need in order to be successful. Congratulations on that, man. I, I think that that's awesome that you branched out and did that for yourself. It's great stuff. Absolutely. So, you know, <laughs> you know, it's funny that, that you actually say that because, uh, you know, on the, on the real estate side, I, on, on my educational side, I deal with a lot of people that are beginners and they, I've never not heard that no matter whether you start, whether you're 10 years old or 50 years old or all those things, people are never saying, I wish I started 10 years from now. It's always, I wish I would have made that decision then. It's like a bad relationship. You know, oh man, I wish I would have broke up with this person six years ago. And uh, touching on that, I, I think it's uh, an important thing because that same thing, I always say to the students that when you're going to become a business owner, yeah, you get to make your own hours, you get to make your own choices, you get to have your own schedule. So there's a lot of good things that you get to do is that, but there's also a lot of those big boy conversations that you have to have that are not fun and not great, like firing people. And I think when, when I, you know, a few years ago from now, I was, I was buying every excuse in the book on, oh, well, they just didn't do this. And I'm going to, I'm going to listen to them this time because it's easier just to make amends and let them get back in there. And then the problem gets worse and worse and worse. And something that was just a bad day has now turned into a disastrous deal and it's a month and all these different things. So I tell everybody, I've never regretted firing anybody. I have every single time regretted not firing them sooner. Well, a lot of times you'll find in my experience, you know, people fire themselves, right? So it's based <laughs> upon what their actions are, what did they do? You know, I, I applaud you, Nick, that you, know, you tried to work with people because I think that's important, you know, but it really comes down to, you know, setting realistic expectations. You know, I always say people live up or live down to expectations. So you have to clearly communicate what their job is. They need to know what their role and responsibility is. They need to stay in their lane. But then once they do that, then, you know, they got to perform, right? And so you have to give them the tools in order to be able to perform. You have to continually develop people. But at the end of the day, if, you know, somebody doesn't do what they're supposed to do, it's black and white, it's facts and data, you know, and then it becomes a, you know, if you don't do this, there's a consequence, you know, it's kind of like when we're kids, you know, our parents tell us not to touch the hot stove. We don't touch the hot stove. If we do, we make <laughs> right? So, I mean, it, you have to think of that in the, in the same terms with the employees. I mean, not, I don't think an employee comes to work with the hopes of being fired, Right. So, but at the end of the day, if they have continual bad behavior or they do things wrong and there's facts and data to back it up, that's when it typically ends the employment relationship. So touching on that part of it, what are some of the things I, I, tr I try and always come up with a, a realistic system for at this point, it's just me being a sucker or them taking advantage of me versus me being a good person or being an open person. Cause, um, you know, so I, I usually use that term, the three strikes rule. So I don't know how accurate that is or realistic to apply for business, but at least gave me something to start that metric on of like, okay, this is the third time now, the first time, you know, and, and again, back to leadership, uh, one of my, my partners, Nicole, that you met at the, uh, at the um, advisors council thing, she, she's always giving me these pep talks about like, Hey, you have to have these conversations and explain to people things and be very clear about that intention. So those hard conversations that I have that I used to want to put off, she says, you know, my thoughts on it are, 
I'm not upset or feel bad that I'm talking to this person about what they did wrong. I, I'm almost, hey, I'm mad at you for making me have this conversation with you about how you're not doing your job and you're not doing this. Like, shame on you for making me do this. I'm not the one who feels bad here. And when I started doing that, it's just like you said, I'm very clear of like, hey, man, this is the nice talk about you didn't do this, you didn't do this, but hey, maybe you didn't know. So now you know, are we on the same page? And then they go, yes. And then it happens again. And I go, hey, remember when we had that nice talk and you said you were clear, like, this is the last nice talk you get here's what's going to happen. And now are you clear that this is, oh yeah, yeah, I get it. And like, since I started doing that, anytime I've had to fire somebody, most of the time I'll call them up and I'll say, Hey man, like, oh no, I get it. I, I, I had this coming, man. I saw, you know, like we, we've talked about this a few times. I'm surprised it didn't happen last time. And I'm like, all right, cool. You know, if I come into town, we'll have a drink. And they're like, oh, you're awesome about this. Thanks. And I'm like, wow, that was nowhere near as bad as the, but again, it's because, you know, again, you, you set those performance uh, indexes, you have those conversations. So how are you measuring it? And what are some of your litmus tests for this is worth a conversation? And now I've had too many conversations and now it's time for me to get, get this person out. Yeah. So I think a couple of golden rules that I've always tried to follow in HR is number one, clearly defining the role and responsibility. So giving that person the job description saying this is what the person's going to do Monday through Friday. And then I think the next step is developing goals and objectives for that employee. So giving them something that are, you know, I, I like to use SMART goals, which are typically specific, they're measurable, they're achievable. You know, there's some type of results and then there's some type of time that's around there. And that way, you know, you hopefully give somebody something to really kind of strive to achieve. And if an employee's not hitting those SMART goals or if your business uses uh, key performance indicators or KPIs, you can use that as a measurement in order to see if they're able to do the job. And then the last tool that I like to use or the last golden nugget here is performance review systems. And I think those are important where, you know, you have the facts and data of, did you complete the goals and objectives that were outlined for you? You know, what do you need to work on? How can I, as your manager or supervisor, help you remove those roadblocks so we can, you know, get you to do what you need to be doing? And then, you know, what do you want to do here in the next couple of years? So, there's always that coaching and that, that conversation where you're trying to lead them and you're trying to motivate them to get more out of them so that they can be the best employee they can be. With that, I agree 100% with the expectation. And, you know, I feel that people do the opposite of, of what, what's really logical, which, you know, again, I, I've done this a thousand times the wrong way first, but, you know, contractors, for instance, on the residential side, when people are hiring contractors, everybody I talk to that's starting out is terrified about investing, especially investing out of their home market because they go, well, the contractors, the contractors, how do I know? How do I know? How do I know? And they're so worried about the contractors. And then when they get a house under contract, they do virtually no screening, no due diligence. And they're just, somebody says they're going to work on it and they go, great, I'm going to hire them. And then it turns into this nightmare. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm always a big believer on be slow to hire and be quick to fire. Take your time screening the right person and then be quicker to let them go when you see those red flags. And, and some of the students will ask me, they'll say, all right, well, now that you've been doing this for 14 years, how many people are you firing? And they expect it to be this low number. And I told them I'm probably firing more people than ever because I'm so much better at seeing the indicators of, I know where this is going now. I, I've already read this book. I'm on chapter one where I'm not going to wait until I get yeah. to chapter 10 to say, oh yeah. So I'm getting people out of there faster. And you know, my, my aunt, I went to Italy with, uh, with my aunt, my cousin, and she was saying something to me like, like, oh, it's really awesome. Like, you feel like you've, you've come into your own skin. It seems like you really know what you want. And I said, I have no idea what I want. I've just done enough things that I'm, I'm quicker to recognize what I don't like and what I don't want. And I, I see that with the teams and with the people. So I think setting that expectation, like you're saying, 
I would go into hiring an employee, especially on the contractor side, on the property management side, and we'd be having a great conversation. And then there was those two or three things that were really the big things, the deal breaker. But I didn't want to ask them because the conversations were going so well and the deal was about to close. And I didn't want to hear that they couldn't do these one or two or three things. So you kind of do like one of these and you stick your head in the sand and and then you find out three, four months later that, okay, well, now this is a relationship, you know? So I, I use that date analogy that on the first date, if they don't want to have kids and they're going to smoke every day in the house and you want kids to eat cigarette smoke, you guys might be getting along great, but it's never going to work long term. I'd rather know today than nine months down the road. So um, for setting up expectations, let's say, you know, j- just general stuff across the board, because I'm sure there's going to be different things for real estate, for some of the HR businesses stuff you're doing, but what are some. I'd say maybe two or three key things that you look for to set the expectation of things that you want to see in good employees. And then two or three things that you see people do wrong that always, hey, they should have asked this, they should have done this, or this is where I see these these relationships going bad or turning sour. So I think the two things that I think I would focus on. So, you know, I think any business doesn't matter the size. I think you need to have company values established. Really, you know, how are you going to hire people? How are you going to operate? How are you going to treat your clients? I think that's an important area that a lot of businesses don't put enough emphasis on because that builds your culture, that builds your brand, that helps you allow and attract employees. So I think that's an important thing. But specifically to get in more data about you know the the KPI or the smart goal and objective. I mean, if it's a customer service uh, representative job, we'll say for example, I think it's important. A good metric would be you know you're answering the phone you know, within three rings, you know, and if it's, and that should be part of your values though, where you're taking care of your customer. Uh, if it's a sales role, for example, you know, like Tim Bratz always says, it's about how many letters of intent are we writing? Right. And that way you can kind of keep track and measure, you know, you know, Sally put together 10 letters of intent. Her goal was to only do five. So she's killing it. Right. And so I think that's something that's important. And, you know, I think a lot of times you hire, or we should be hiring more for fit from a cultural standpoint. Is somebody, you know, there's the 10 things that require zero talent. You know, are they hardworking? Are they coachable? You know, they show up on time or, you know, are they motivated? Those things, those intangible skills, those soft skills, I think are really important. And especially as you, you form this relationship to your point, as, you know, when you hire an employee, the things I think that are red flags to me are, you know, when it's all about themselves, it's not about the team. When, you know, you see results and things not happening, like, you know, you have a customer service representative that's, you know, getting a lot of complaints, obviously that's a red flag. You know, then I think it's a, there's a coaching conversation that needs to happen there, Nick, where you're like, you know, what's going on? This is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm hearing. And how can I help you? And then at that point, you know, you're going to learn if you can help that person in your leadership role, or if you need to make a decision where you need to start putting them maybe on a performance improvement plan where they get, you know, 90 days to improve things or 30 days, depending upon what your company structure looks like. On, on that side of it, one of the things that I am seeing on some of the companies that are, and it's, this just keeps ringing in my ear, Lee Kearney always goes, companies go broke making money every day. And people that are not in business, that doesn't make any sense to them. But because of stuff like that, hey, there's money coming in, but really, where is it going? And I've seen a, a few businesses now that are, are making the mistakes that they have a lot of money coming in, but they've built their business by hiring their friends or their buddies or people that they like. And it's, they're never letting them, they're, they're never on the hook for anything and they're never holding them there and they're always believing them. And there's that weird thing. Are you really seeing that that works out ever 
when somebody's hiring people that have been their buddies or long-term friends and family or, or things like that for their business? Or is it really better to just to get that separation? So I've seen it go both ways. Obviously in my career, you know, I worked for family owned businesses where they fired family members. So a lot of nepotism. And so I, I think it can work, but I mean, again, it's gotta be clear expectations. I think it's also important, you know, business owners, you know, if you're not good at managing people and, and you don't understand what makes people tick, I think you have to understand that. And then you have to have somebody that can help you do those things. Um, I think another big, you know, potential issue is that, you know, you can be friends with somebody and that's real easy, but then how do you, how do you transition and how do you then, if you have to have discipline or have a difficult conversation, how is that going to go? I mean, we're in business not to be friends with people necessarily. We're in business to get the job done. And in any business, you're, you're really trying to make money, right? Otherwise you won't be doing you know, what you do. And so I, I think a, the good analogy for me has always been when I had maybe a shop floor operator, and then we want to promote them because they're really strong technically, but maybe they don't have the people skills or the interpersonal skills to lead people. You really have to give them those tools to do it. So it's a long answer to your question. Um, I think it can work, but it also can't. It just depends on the, on the person and the situation. In my opinion, I, I would rather hire people that I probably didn't know so I can train them and coach them. And there was no false expectations that were probably given because I was you know, buddies with this person or this person was my family member. Because I think that can be really difficult. That can break up friendships. That can break up families. So to me, I'd rather go outside. I wasn't even thinking it like that until you said it, that it's not even necessarily about your relationship with that person. It's about how is the rest of your office or the rest of your employees feeling or, or taking that into account. And that can build up resentment and, and weird stories in people's heads. So that's really great info. you know. And I, and I tell people, you know, I wouldn't go into business with anybody that it's going to be awkward on Thanksgiving Day if you had to fire them and now you're sitting across the table. You know, there's so many people out there. But um, no, but I think that's really good info. And again, the, the expectation, I... I think it's a huge thing. You talked about key performance index and things like that and smart goals. Can you talk a little bit more about what those are, how you use them, or for somebody that's looking to, to build businesses, like how do you, how do you find them? Like, so for instance, um, I was giving you the example that a gym that I've gone to, I went to go buy um, some gear and they were out of the gear and I was going to buy two. And the guy got a little salty and he was like, hey, come here, let me show you something. And he's like, look, this is out of stock. This is out of stock. There's papers everywhere. He's like, and when I go to people and I say, hey, look, like do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And after the third, fourth, fifth time, it's not done. And now I get mad and I react and people think I'm a jerk. And now I'm, I'm the idiot and I'm so mean and everybody's mad at me. But what they don't understand is $300 just walked out of the door because you were going to go buy these things and now they're not there. And that happens two, three, four times a day, every single day. And this is exactly how businesses go broke making money every day. You got all these memberships, you got all these things, but how come we don't have more income coming in? How come the bank accounts aren't getting bigger? Um, so I think something as basic as having somebody there to measure those key performance index and say, okay, it's been a week. There's still nothing stocked up. There's still papers everywhere. We're still out of everything. Like negative $1,400 didn't get sold. Like here's the first conversation. So like where, because I, I had never even heard about those things before you. And I realized that it's such a key part of everybody who's successful in business that most people on the beginner level don't even understand. Yeah. And I think some of those things, like the example you just gave to me with the not having stock, I think to me, that's part of your job description. Like if you have like an inventory clerk or a customer service person at the front of that gym, that should be part of their norm, normal daily role. Um, in order to measure that though, I think a lot of times, like I'm not a big proponent of let's just have a meeting to have a meeting. <laughs> but I think, you know, having a weekly meeting with your team, you know, these are the goals and expectations. So a, a KPI 
for example, or something that you measure could be, you know, what's your inventory levels on certain equipment? What's the min and the max? And quickly looking at that report and saying, what do we need to order this week? You know, that could be something real simple. Um, you know, a, a smart goal around that could be, you know, that employee needs to bring in $2,000 a week in additional revenue, you know, and how are they going to do that? Number one, by having the additional stock to sell it, selling those things to the customers. And to me, you know, that's quantifiable. You can look at, you know, $2,000 and say, yes, they hit it or no, they didn't, right? So it becomes black and white where there's not that gray area. So to me, I think it's about understanding the business, knowing what makes that business operate and how it's going to be successful. But I think, again, it goes back to you know, the team meetings, the open dialogue, the discussions, and then really, you know, to me, that person that's not stocking that, uh, you know, the, the inventory, they probably shouldn't work there because that's just the job description goal to me. Like yeah. you either have it or you don't. That, that, that's up to you. Yeah. So you just touched on two things that we could probably speak for the next two hours on. But uh, <laughs> the first one, I definitely want to talk about having, having uh, successful meetings. But the other one is the, the basic job descriptions. Um, like Mitzi, I was talking to about it. She's a commercial, a commercial yeah. student. So uh, we were going back and forth because I hired my assistant and my assistant is definitely overqualified for what her her job description is now. But I, I like what you were saying and, and what Tim was saying about how they hire people and then their assistants eventually become these other things. So they're not necessarily hiring an assistant, but they're hiring an assistant and when the assistant turns out to be good. Now they can train them to have a higher pur- purpose and, and that starts to grow from the inside out. And, and my assistant 100% I feel like is going to be that type of person because she can grow with the company. She can help me grow with the company. So the expectations of the job description if you can give some, some insight on that, I, th- I think that that's a really huge thing because until we met about a month ago and really I heard you go a little bit deeper, we, you know, I've, I've heard you talk a few other times as well, but I had a conversation with her this weekend because I got really fired up after our mastermind and I was like, look, I'm looking to grow. I'm looking to scale up, but I have you doing a bunch of different things every day. What is it that you like? What is it that you're good at? Like, where do you thrive? And she said, you know, because she, she's so patient with everybody. And I was like, you're doing so good with talking to the sellers, talking to the buyers, letting them whine and cry and scream and yell. And you just let them get it off their chest. And then they feel better. And now they trust you. And she goes, yeah, I am good at that. She goes, but I suck at closing the sale. So I have all these people that are right there but then I can't get that contract. I can't get that LOI. And I was like, oh, I was like, that's the problem. Awesome. So you're the opener and now I need a closer. Like, and this was like, okay, like I get this. And then she said, well, tell me, like, do you want me to research closers? Cause I'm so good with research and I love research and I can research things all day long. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that about you. I have this development deal. I need to know what the builders are paying and all the things that I got right off of that, um, our, our Facebook group that we have that a couple of people like do this, do this. I was like, copy, paste, you go do this. You love research. I don't. So now I feel like that I'm having that conversation of what she enjoys, where she thrives and what she's better at. Instead of me hiring her and going, I don't really know what I even want you to do. I just have a bunch of stuff. Now we're like pinpointing it on. And I think she's going to be happier. And now I'm probably going to be able to retain her where she was having a conversation of like, really, where is this going? I'm feeling a little weird. So you know, again, I don't think I had a great job description when I hired her. And now I think I'm having that conversation now of what's your job really going to become. So sorry, that was a bit of a long tangent, but I forgot how important that was. And I even wanted to ask it. So the, the, I guess that that kicks everything off really, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think anytime you're looking to hire somebody again, once you have your values established, I think it's then, you know, what's the role of responsibility. So from the job description 
you know, what education do you need? I think that's important. What experience do you need? And then what are the actual roles and responsibilities that that person's going to be doing? So again, if it's customer service, they're going to be on the phone answering calls, following up with customers. They're going to be maybe inputting sales. You know, they may be uh, handling conflict resolution. And then the next side is really kind of the, the requirements of the job. What are the soft skills, the intangible things they need? You know, do they need Microsoft Office or Google Docs experience? That's going to be important. I typically will put in there like the values, making sure that we cover those during the interview process to see, you know, can you really live these out? These are important to us. This is what we hire people on. This is how we do business. You know, do you live those out? And then I'll ask for, you know, a question during the interview. You know, Sally, tell me about a time you've lived out, you know, integrity in your life. You know, let's talk about that. You know, that way we kind of get some behavioral based questions with some specific examples. And I think you you hit it on uh, what's really important when you hire somebody. I always like to look one role above where they get hired in at. So like an, an executive assistant, you know, if they're really good, like your assistant is with the research and the data and putting stuff together, maybe a, a good project manager would be a, a, the next good step for her because she's able to handle those things, multitask, keep deadlines in check. And maybe she's not on the sales side, but you may have an operations role or you may have someone who's really good at talking and closing and that person can be a salesperson. So it's always about, like you said, Nick, having those dialogue and that conversation with the employee to figure out, you know, what are they passionate about? You know, you know, maybe they're not passionate about like your, your assistant's not good at closing. Do you want to invest money and time into her to train and learn that? Or do you want to go find someone else who's really good at that thrives at that, you know? And so I think there's a good balance that needs to happen as you continue to grow your organization. But what you said earlier, retention is huge. You know, if you give people an opportunity to grow and learn more and do more, they're going to be employees for a long time. I get a lot of questions from people on uh, wanting to pick my brain, wanting to ask me about what I do, how do I do it, all kinds of things across the spectrum. One of the things I try and answer back with is there's a few different ways that we can work together. People can either um, participate by being a buyer, being a seller, or being a partner, and that's really the best way to learn. So. If people have questions that have reached out to me, the best thing to do is jump on www.nicknicknick.com and you can schedule a consultation if you're looking to sell properties, buy part properties, partner on some deals, or just get a general consultation to see where we can even fit in and where we can do business together on any level. There's options for that to set some stuff up. So please visit www.nicknicknick.com to buy, to sell, or to partner on real estate deals or opportunities. That is the place to go. That is the best way to start making money and learning the process. Was a little bit ignorant about because I just assume, you know what, she's getting paid. I'm leaving, I'm leaving her alone. I'm letting her do her thing. That's what I would want. But it wasn't what she would want. She wanted direction. She wanted to have a conversation. And just that, you know, one hour on the phone started to make a big difference. And now she's fired up, you know. So uh, I think those things are huge. But, um, you know, so when me and Mitzi were talking about hiring them, she said, hey, you know what? I hired a, I forget exactly what it was, but it was literally either like a rocket scientist or a brain surgeon or an MIT professor, like something that was like way up here. But we're finding that a lot of people that are overqualified for jobs that have been making money and have these nice titles are sick of working with the people they're working for and these companies that just are falling apart and not handling good business and don't have good core values. And they're like, I'd rather have a better quality of life and make less money. So when we were going back and forth, she said, I give them very simple tests before I look at anything. And I love that because you know, all of us keep saying how you do the small stuff is how you do the big stuff. How you do anything is how you do everything. And I'm always looking at those things as first date. And if you can't 
show me your best on your first date, it's only going to get worse. And for me, I need somebody who's really looking at those details. Like for instance, contractors, when I have that first conversation, it might seem insignificant, but I go, okay, you're going to the house at 9 a.m. You're going to the house at 11 a.m. And you're going to the house at 1 p.m. And all of a sudden the 9 a.m. guy shows up at 1230 and I go, okay, you're not my guy. That was your first test. It was the most basic of instructions and you couldn't follow them. So it's only going to get worse. This is going to be a nightmare. So she was saying something that I, I might be paraphrasing, but it was basically like I put an ad out in ZipRecruiter for what I wanted. And then all these people started responding. And my reply was, okay, great. Send me your favorite color. And everyone was like, here's my references. Here's my job board. Here's my titles. Here's my degrees. And she was like, not my people. And then a couple of people were like, blue. All right, well, what's your favorite food? Oh, here's my references. Here's my job titles. Here's my this. Pizza. Okay. And she's like, immediately just from doing that, like 98 out of 100, gone. And I was like, man, I, I love that. Like, it's the, the simple things that people go, look at this. I'm so overqualified. It's like, well, not really, because you didn't do what I asked you to do, you know? So are you finding um, like similar things for just like the, the basics are a good test for stuff or are we oversimplifying it? No, I think it's a good good testimony of what can happen in the, in the marketplace. Like you know, a lot of companies will ask typically, you know, provide me a cover letter. If someone doesn't provide a cover letter, obviously you don't even sometimes consider them. Um, but I, I think you know, there's also the personality test. You know, like if you use Wise Hire, that's another big uh, you know uh, online tool for finding talent. Or Indeed, there's assessments, and you tell them that you know in the job description or the posting, no candidate will be accepted unless you complete the disc profile. Or if you complete this assessment, and if they don't do that, are they really passionate about the job? To your point, it's a simple ask, and they don't do it, and so you don't even look at that. You move on, and they kind of eliminated themselves by not taking that extra step. Yeah, I guess that goes back to your you're saying like most of them fire themselves. That's a, a way that they're doing yeah, it. Right? Right. That's yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think going back one more thing to what you said, Nick. You know, a good team of people, high performing team. It's not all the same personality everybody's got different strengths. And so I think, you know, that's really when you see that thriving and that performing stage of that Jensen model that you know, we talked about in Orlando is really when people are doing different roles that they're passionate about, they're driving, you know, results and they're getting stuff done in the business and people are happy because they're doing what they love to do. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I mean, an, an essentially business model of happy way of happy life, right? You know, you got them doing the, the stuff there and, um, you know, I, I think what you're saying is, is exactly the truth with, with relationships like anything else. You know, I, I keep telling people it's, it's not necessarily that difficult to hire. It's not necessarily that difficult to fire, but that maintaining and that retention, like any relationship, I can go on a date with anybody. I can break up with anybody, but how many people actually make it through and get married and stay married? It's that retention of that relationship. And it's the same type of things, you know, obviously it's a professional relationship, but it's still a relationship and there's still some of those key things in there. And um, one of the things that I loved you talking about when you were doing, you were doing it, you might've seen me and Nicole just looking at each other like, man, man, the effective meetings. It is unbelievable how many meetings we have about meetings we're going to have that we need to talk about the meetings and the meetings we're going to have. And then you get on and then when you, you're literally talking about nothing for 20, 30, 40, and then eventually you get around to it and then you get off the phone and the thing wasn't even discussed and your whole day becomes calls about calls about calls. And I think having effective meetings is huge and, and just something as stupid and silly and basic as me, I, I've had a Calendly account and I never used it. And then as soon as we left Orlando, I was like, you know what? Because Tim was like, dude, I, nobody picks my brain anymore. You know, if, if you want 10, 15 minutes here, it doesn't work like that. So 
Every time somebody calls me now, instead of having the back and forth, I send them the Calendly link for doing the podcast. I've scheduled more podcasts and more effective meetings for the next two weeks by just saying, hey, pick 15 minutes here, pick 30 minutes here, and having them go on that Calendly thing. And instead of in the past, it would have been like, I called you, I missed their call, I called you back, you missed my call, now it's three months. And so just setting those times and having that block of, you got 15 minutes. You know you got 15 minutes. I know you got 15 minutes. So let's get to it. So um, I'm sure you're seeing that that's probably a huge thing when you come in and you, you're you're basically like the bar rescue guy of, of companies, right? You come in and you're like, oh, my bar's not doing good. And then you like slap everybody around and put this guy in charge where he should be. So are you finding that that's like a really big thing that most businesses are doing ineffectively? Yeah, I think just having meetings to have meetings doesn't get anything done, right? And when we talked about this in Orlando, I think basic stuff like what you did with time blocking and I think that's an effective tool. Having an agenda, you know, having somebody that's like the point person when things get off track, no, hey, we're not going to talk about that. You guys can have a sidebar after this meeting, you know, and, and really it's about facilitation. You know, how do you how do you lead the meeting? How do you keep things on track? I think it's also important you have somebody that kind of keeps notes you know, kind of like keep you on track and then take down any action items. And then people know what they need to do in order to get stuff done. So, I mean, it doesn't have to be complicated. I, I think more people in business make things harder than it needs to be. Business to me, and maybe it's just my brain and how I'm wired, but it's common sense. You know, <laughs> treat people how you want to be treated, you know, get stuff done, you know, and, and hopefully everybody's making money and everybody's happy. You know, it doesn't have to be complicated. Awesome. Yeah. You know, like one of my friends, um, Andrew, Andrew Healy, um, he, he runs a, um, a, a firm in New York city. And I, you know, I, I keep wanting to ask him about that type of stuff too, for like the types of meetings and stuff he's having and how effective they are. Cause I see people get burnt out with them a lot. And then, you know, there, there's resentment towards the meetings instead of excitement towards effective meetings. What are you, um, are, do you have a basic theory of like how many meetings companies should be having a week or, how long those meetings should be and uh, to answer just because it's based upon the company. I, I think, you know, sometimes a lot of times when I worked in the corporate world, there'd be an hour meeting set. And sometimes you don't need an hour. Maybe you only need 50 minutes and then you get 10 minutes back of your day. Uh, but I, again, I think it goes back to the agenda. I think, you know, like for my team, I had uh, a number of people that worked with me at, or for me and I did one team meeting a week, you know, on Friday, it was an hour long, but if we got done, you know, in 33 minutes, we got done in 33 minutes. People got that time back. I didn't, you know, ex you know, extend the meeting just to have a meeting and just to keep it on my calendar. Let's end it early. Let's go, you know, take what we learned and let's go put it in place. So I, I don't think you need to have, you know, 20 meetings a day because what happens is when you're in meetings all day, then when are you getting your work done? You know, <laughs> it's a good point. So if you're at work eight to five and you're in meetings, like I used to be in meetings sometimes for six hours a day and I'm doing work at eight or nine, 10 o'clock at night, you know? So I mean, have a meeting when you need to have a meeting, but really it comes down to, you know, hopefully you're empowering your employees to make decisions, you know, let them kind of run the business and go to you when they need help as a coach and a mentor and as a supporter, but let your employees, you know, run the business. You know, you kind of get out of the way as the owner of the business, as the CEO, empower them to make those decisions. It will also help with retention. You know, people won't feel like they're being micromanaged, which I don't think anybody enjoys being micromanaged. Yeah, yeah. So from the CEO role, because we, we talked a lot about this, that we're, we're seeing a lot of other people in companies expect the people that are in my role, your role, or Lee or Scott or Tim or any of these guys, that they expect them to be getting the call to put out every fire. And we go, no, 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 we're not the firefighter. 
you need to have those people as the firefighters. And when the house is literally burning to the ground, then you pick up the phone and go, we can't put out the fire. Um, what's, what's a good, what's a good measurement though for, I mean, like once or twice a day, should you be talking to your, your executive assistant or to your main person or, you know, cause I know it's important, you know, but you're not having those long, you're, you're basically just getting the cliff notes, right? Absolutely. And I think it's important to always check in with your team members. I, I think that's a difference between good CEOs and good leaders and people that are maybe not as effective. And this is just my opinion. I think calling and checking on, Hey, you know, Tara, how's your day going? Or Mike, how's your day going? I think that's important. Is there anything I can help you with? That way they feel supported. They feel like you care about them. They want you to, you know, feel like they want to succeed because you're succeeding. Right. And so I think that's important. And, you know, when you don't do those things and you let people on an Island, sometimes bad things happen. So, you know, give them that the, the tools to do the job, check in them with them and make sure things are okay. Yeah, it's great advice. I think that, you know, it's, it goes back to, again, it, it, you almost forget the common sense. It's just people are people and they, you know, they want to know that they're doing a good job and they want to know that you're actually caring about helping them and stuff. And that'll That's probably it. make them stick around. Uh, I took some notes here again, too, on some other stuff that um, when you're, when you're starting out, so a, a big thing that I'm seeing is, People look at, I don't want to hire somebody because that's going to be money going out the window. Whereas my mindset has obviously shifted over the last couple of years. Then, you know, Mark Evans, I feel like put it great. He was like, hey man, if you pay your assistant $30,000 a year, you literally just bought back 160 hours of your month. He's like, at the end of the year, look at all what those hours are. You would pay anything at the end of the year to say, man, I wish I could literally buy back 40 hours a week for all of last year. And that, when you put it into that, it's like, man, for 30 grand, I get to buy that back. That's huge. But again, I know you have to use that time now that you've created to do something else. So I've heard a lot of different opinions on when the best time to start hiring somebody is. I've heard some people say, once it's been a deal a week for three months, now you hire somebody. I've heard people say, once you have X amount of revenue. And then I've heard other people say, the best time to hire somebody is just right now. Just start out doing it. It's going to make you more productive. Um, what are you seeing as some basic rule of thumbs, especially for, for the real estate side specifically, because that, that's most of what I deal with and talk to, for when you should make maybe your first hire, who that should be, and when you should scale up to a second one and maybe who that should be? Yeah, so I think your first hire definitely should be the assistant because if you write down everything that you do in a day, Nick, we talked about this in Orlando. Does it add, add value? Are you making money from it? Or is it just a task that you know you can free up your time if someone else is doing? So I, I think really the assistance, the first one, you know, it, it may be 30 grand, it may be 40 grand, but the way I look at it is, you know, can you afford 2,500 to three grand or four grand a month? I mean, that's really what you have to look at, you know, because a lot of times what I'm seeing in the real estate industry is that businesses are not offering benefits. It's just a salary, like W2 position or a 1099. So it's not that full thirty to forty thousand dollars that you're paying at one time. You get to break that up over twelve months. There's no guarantee that person's going to last. You know, twelve months. You want them to. Hopefully, you, you, know, you go through the right process and you train them and you develop them and you know you're giving them the tools to be successful. But I think you look at it as an investment. This is where I think Tim Barat says it well. So does Mark Evans. Where you're, you're doubling down on your efforts, right? Because all your time, like you said, Nick, that 160 hours went to something else. You know, and as a president and a CEO of a business that's you know just getting started, you really want to be the face of the business. You want to learn about new opportunities. How can I grow my business? You know, do I want to do a joint venture deal with somebody? How can I partner? You know, what industry or, or maybe what area should I be looking at next? So I think that's real important. 
And then I think like specifically in the real estate space, something else that can pay huge dividends would be like a sales role, right? Because if you're able to then hire somebody else that can go out and sell and close deals for you, that brings in more revenue. That just continues the, the, the spiral of the, of the life cycle of the business. And then once you have that person on and you're, you know, you're crushing it there, then you look at maybe an operations person or a project manager that's going to help you kind of keep everything organized. And maybe that might be your, you know, your assistant that you hired you know, a year ago. That person can have the opportunity to move up and it gives them the you know, ability to be promoted from within, which people just love. If you guys are getting anything from the podcast and some of the great knowledge and tips that the guests are sharing, please take a minute and leave a review on iTunes or any of your platforms with some stars and some comments, helping spread the promotion and spread some visibility for the podcast, for the guests and for the knowledge so we can continue to do this. It'd only take a minute. I appreciate it. If you guys could take the time, it would go a very, very long way. Again, leave a review on iTunes, start to share, start to spread the word. I really would appreciate it if you're getting anything out of this. Thank you. Now, as far as firing people, so again, I, I know there's, there's different regulations. It depends on the company. And you know, I, a lot of people want a direct answer when they go, well, I need to fire my contractor. What do I do? And it's like, well, where do you live? Different states, right. different counties, different cities. There's sometimes you have to have a 48-hour, you know, they, they have the opportunity to cure them. And, and like we did it in Phoenix, we had to actually have somebody meet them there. And they had two, three opportunities to show up. And then, uh, so there's a lot of different things you have to do. And uh, on the company side of it, I know a couple of guys that uh, I'm, I'm in business with that own very large companies have employees that are doing a very bad job. But because the initial person that hired him didn't have the proper documentation and didn't keep the proper documentation, they have to keep that person on now for like another two, three, four, five months before they can actually legally fire them. Otherwise, now they have unemployment cases and things like that on there. So t- touching on that, what are you seeing as far as uh, some of those basic mistakes that people make or things you need to have in place to make sure, God forbid, you do have to let somebody go, you can legally do it. And touching on that, the stat you have, where you can share that during your story about your your undefeated record is is absolutely impressive, man. So definitely talk about that too. Okay, so I, I think to me, like you know, again, you you're, you hit it right on the head, Nick. I mean, every state's different. There's different state laws. There's different federal laws depending upon the size of the business. But I think the first thing that you need to do is you need to have some policies and procedures. Typically, you know, even if you're a smaller company, it's good to have a shell of an employee handbook. You know, this is what we expect. These are the rules. It's kind of like, you know, driving. Um, one of my old bosses talked about this is like driving on the freeway or the highway. There's a speed limit there that's 65. A handbook or a set of policies is very similar. These are the guidelines. This is how we need you to operate. When people don't, there's got to be consequences, right? And if you're on the highway or the freeway, you get a ticket sometimes, right? Sometimes you get a warning because you have a nice person that stopped you. But with that, you know, then it goes through how do you discipline people? And it's really like you said earlier in this conversation, it's facts and data. You know, it's asking the person, hey, you know, what happened here? You know, a lot of times employees will say, you know what, I screwed up, I made a mistake. And so that I think that's like very fundamental in order when you have a difficult conversation like this, where you got to terminate somebody. I think another big part is, you know, when you do a performance review, don't say that, you know, that person's great when they're really not. Give honest feedback, Give you know stuff that really is measurable. Again, go back to your smart goals. Go back to your KPIs. Make sure that there's quantifiable things, so it's kind of black and white. And there's no gray area. And then I think the other big thing is um, you know is making sure that you know if there's a manager or somebody that's managing this employee and you're not that person, don't let them keep like desk files. That's the worst thing as an <laughs> HR professional. 
you know, because I don't want you, Nick, as the owner of the company to come to me and say, you know what, we got to get rid of Sally because she did this. Well, Joe knew about it the whole time. He's got five or six things in his file. And now you want me to terminate this person. And well, guess what? To your point earlier, we can't do that. We got to have a case. We got to have factual documentations. We got to go through the conversations. Now, if it's something really egregious like theft or somebody punched somebody, you know, obviously those are more, you know, uh, critical circumstances where you don't have to have maybe as many facts and data, but you still want to have facts and data to back up why you made that decision. And the reason why that's so important is when you get into unemployment, you get into litigation, let's say there's a wrongful termination case, you want to know that you have all that facts and data there that can support the reason why you terminated somebody. What a lot of people don't realize when you own a business, there's something called vicarious liability, where an employee can come after you personally as the manager or supervisor if you did something wrong. A lot of times they don't do that. A lot of times employees go directly after the company because there's bigger pockets there, but they can't come after you as the uh, the supervisor or manager. So you really got to make sure you document well, you have good conversations. I always say 29 days out of 30, Nick, you and I could be joking around. One day I'm having a bad day. Maybe my wife yelled at me, something bad happened and I come into work and you're picking on me. And all of a sudden I feel like I'm being harassed. And that leads into a whole investigation, documentation, and that can, you know, someone can lose their job over that, you know? So even as a manager or supervisor, be careful what you say, be careful how you talk to your employees, use the please and thank you. People really appreciate that. And then going back to my stat that Tim likes to brag about, uh, in my one job, I had 127 people applied for unemployment and 127 didn't get unemployment. So, <laughs> um, but again, it goes back to having facts and data. It goes back to, you know, having those systems and procedures and, you know, kind of SOPs put in place. So, you know, you are going to protect the business. And that's, that's part of my job as an HR professional is really to protect the business, but also to work with the employees and make sure that they're you know, being taken care of and that they're able to grow within the organization. Awesome, man. I love that. That's huge. And I didn't know that about the going, being able to go after you. So that's, that's huge info for sure. Um, so when, when vicarious liability, vicarious liability, that's my golden nugget right there. <laughs> So when people are going, well, you know, how do I, I hire a good salesperson? How do I make sure that I have my KPIs measured properly? How do I know how I have those, all these documentations? That's, that's part of what you, you do, right? So talk about how if somebody wants to work with you, hire you, contract you out, what are some of the different things that you can help them with? How do they find you? You know, kind of go into a little bit about what you do and how you can help different people. Yeah, so I have two different aspects to my business, Nick. I do the HR consulting stuff, which is a lot of what we talked about. You know, the core values, setting up business foundation, writing down roles, responsibilities, job descriptions, creating goals and objectives or KPIs for your business. And then that leads into it, you know, a lot of times, you know, hiring people, you know, how do I hire people? So you can work with someone like myself that can help you bring in talent to the organization. Maybe you're not good at interviewing. Maybe you're not good at hiring people. You know, you can work with someone like myself who's hired a couple thousand people in his career. And and again, you're not going to get every single one right. But hopefully with the, you know, the process that I use and kind of the step-by-step approach, you're going to have a better chance of keeping an employee long-term. Um, so those are just some of the ways that people can partner with me. And the other thing too, you know, being like a, a retained uh, VP of HR, that, I mean, that's what I was when I left my private equity group. I was a vice president of HR. Having me as like a fractional person on your team where you can have me available to you four or eight hours a month that I can provide you with coaching, or maybe you have employee relations issues, or you just got a question about, you know, some type of an employment law thing that I can work you through, you know, so you understand kind of, you know, what you're getting into. I think that's a, a way I can really add value to businesses. Uh, people can find me on 
you know, I'm on Facebook. I have Fortitude HR Solutions page. I also have a LinkedIn page. Um, so people can connect with me. I really just want to help people. That's why I love doing HR. I feel like I'm a servant leader. So I typically put everybody else above me. <laughs> um, so that, hopefully that shows in my work and what I, what I do. I'm very passionate about helping businesses as well as people. That's awesome, man. So, um, the, so the best way to get you is through those social media sites, through Facebook and all the different things are I say 42HRSolutions.com. Yeah, there was a, I have a website as well. Um, they can reach out to me at Scott at Fortitude HR Solutions. There's also a contact us page on the website for Fortitude HR Solutions. That's awesome, man. Uh, any any final thoughts, tips, and tricks for just people who are either building businesses in the middle of trying to maintain businesses or people who are in struggling businesses that, you know, some just basic key things you see across the board that are, are general tips and tricks? I think don't do it alone. You know, I think a lot of people are good at their craft, you know, whether it's construction, they might be good at like Tim always says, swinging the hammer, but they're not good at all the details and how to get things done. So I think it's important. And this isn't a sales thing. I'm not a salesperson. I let my work kind of talk for itself, but, you know, partner with somebody like myself that can help you, you know, get involved and learn your business and and, and also try to help you to be the most successful business you can be. Um, And then again, remember, we talked about vicarious liability, look that up. You know, make sure you treat your employees well. Um, make sure you're you're making you know good hiring decisions, and make sure you show you that you appreciate your employees. Saying the little things again, please and thank you go a long way. That means more sometimes than a paycheck. You know, with an extra fifty cents in it per hour, people care more about being appreciated and being heard, and that they're you know they have some collaboration and say what goes on in the business. That's awesome, man. You know, I, I, one of the things I use the term a lot is, is black belts. I'm always looking for black belts that. You know, not necessarily, I, I use that in that, that post you saw that I don't consider a black belt necessarily somebody that can kick everybody's butt. I consider it somebody who's gotten their butt kicked every single way possible and tried all the shortcuts and tried all the, and they've just every sort of trial and error for 10 or 14 years, they know. So they can come back to you and say, hey, here's all the different things you're going to go out and try for probably the next two, three years. And here's all the things I've already done. So learn from my mistakes, learn from my experience and my bumps and bruises. And this is what works. So I feel like you are absolutely a black belt in HR and hiring, firing and personnel and anybody who's trying to build a business, a real business, because there's a lot of people that think they're businesses or entrepreneurs and they're really not. You're a key, key piece of that as somebody who wants to stay in business because I'm a huge believer that it's very easy to get into business. It's not very easy to stay in business. That's why most of them fail. And I feel like having somebody like you on their team or having somebody like you that they can consult with is really a key thing that will help them stay in business. And a little bit of money spent up front to make sure you can continue to make a lot of money down the road is always going to be a smart investment to me. But people overcomplicate it. They look at what things cost versus the value of what it's going to make them or what it's going to save them. Um, So I appreciate having people like you out there. I appreciate the help that you've given. And I definitely like to talk to you about doing some type of fractional hiring to start out for sure for my company, for what I'm doing. Sounds awesome, Nick. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to be on and just to discuss with you what I'm passionate and what I love doing. It shows, man. And you're you're outstanding at it. And I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, Any final thoughts, Mr. Scott Hennis? No, just thanks for listening and enjoy and make sure you follow Nick's uh, podcast. Hey, thanks, man. I'll put all your contact information and everything in the show notes and I'll, I'll blast it out there and I'll send you something to review. Uh, I appreciate it, man. If there's anything I can ever do for you, please let me know. And uh, I'll reach out to you uh, offline about some of the other stuff we were discussing. and We'll get some things going. Sounds awesome, man. I appreciate thanks, it. Scott. Appreciate it. Have a great day, Scott. You too. Bye-bye.